I think that's two weeks in a row for illustrious. That might be too, too many. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here, for being on the green. I always love meeting outside in our community. Um, I want to pray for us before we get started. God, thanks so much for you being here. And this being uh, an invitation, God, that you've given for us to be here together. Lord, thanks for how uh, you move. You move in our world. You move in our city. You move in our hearts. Would you be present to us? God, we thank you for all the ways that you are real, that you are good to us. And we pray for all the ways you'll show up even today. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Nate said, my name is Josh Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'd uh, like to tell you a little bit about my weekend and also uh, some events that happened uh, on one of these anniversary days for me. This past Friday, you see April 16th, it's a sacred day for me. Two years ago, at the beginning of Holy Week in 2019, two people were stopped early in the morning by the police. It was on a tiny little street in New Hallville, a street called Argyle. Uh, one police was from Hamden, and the other police was from the Yale Police Department. They uh, saw people, uh, a car, and they looked at who was inside after having some, uh, a tip that something was going wrong, and both police on either side eventually uh, shot at them. Paul Witherspoon, the driver, uh, had actually fully gotten out of the car when the shooting started. Somehow he dove back in. 13 shots, not one hitting his body. And then across the other side of Argyle Street, another officer started firing three shots, this time one going into the body of Stephanie Washington. The wound, while serious, was not fatal. 16 shots, 16, in very close range. Two unarmed black people still alive. That was Monday night. Monday night at the beginning of Holy Week in 2019. Then and now I marvel at that miracle. Our New Haven miracle in a time of hashtags, in a time of mass shootings, police abuse of power, and so much black death. 16 shots. 16. No one dead. In a time where black people are killed over air fresheners, brown people are killed running away with their hands up, and we're seeing folks of color, including Asian Americans, being targeted for their ethnic difference time and time again. Finally, at long last, some of us didn't die, at least for one day, in our Elm City. That week, I marched with people. I sang with people. I made a point to celebrate and to speak at rallies, at prayer meetings with friends all throughout that holy week sharing this Holy Week miracle. And some of y'all were there with our city. On Easter that year, we celebrated what God had done. Jesus, once dead, is alive, raised. We celebrated that two weeks ago. And on April 16th, we saw that a different world was possible and that black death isn't always inevitable. Last year, I invited our church deeper into that celebration at the one-year anniversary of Paul and Stephanie shooting. Uh, to be honest, there was you know, little interest in that and little follow-up. You know, we were a month into COVID. You know, there was a new reality. We were all dealing with isolation in our own ways. 
But a month and a half later, we would be inundated with a different story. Not a celebration over 16 shots that didn't kill, but a gruesome nine minutes that exists long in our collective memories. We didn't know that April 16th last year, but that's what happened around a month and a half later. This weekend for me was a strange celebration. It was costly with the heaviness around me. With the killings of Dante Wright, Adam Toledo, life can feel like a time loop. Like this is just an inevitable script that is unending. And yet I found a way strolling with my little daughter, Joy, from my house to Argyle Street to tell her about this miracle, this miracle in 2019, this miracle in New Haven, to celebrate that when violence came to my city, when death knocked on its door, it did not win. And I'll remember that day for the rest of my life. And I hope you will too. This is the beginning invitation to experience grace, grace on the other side. It's an invitation to celebrate real wins because of God's goodness to move us forward in life even as life rages on, sometimes quite destructively, it asks the question, can we dare to celebrate? Can we dare to experience God's goodness on the other side of a trial, on the other side of a problem, on the other side of difficulty? We need grace to celebrate. It allows us to remain in tension with a God who secures victory for us while still securing victory for others or vice versa, even if we can't see quite how it will happen. How else could we have our own Thanksgiving with uh, our city's speedy vaccination efforts? I've seen some of you guys in the posters, the shots, the pictures, right? It's cute. But we had that celebration, even as we know that some nations have already run out of shots. Some countries didn't have them to begin with. We need grace on the other side of trial to aid folks still in struggle. We need grace from God to celebrate, even as we transition. Sometimes we simply celebrate the end of one bad thing, and then we just step into the next thing, right? out of the frying pan and into the fire. But can we pause to just celebrate that we're not in the frying pan anymore? Can we dare to celebrate one good thing, even if we feel like there's bad stuff to come? We need grace from God to celebrate when it might be easier theologically just to call any good thing in our life simply luck, given how bad things are for us and others. I don't want to say that was God. I don't want to celebrate that. Let's just call that luck, because what would it mean for God to do something good for me? God invites us to celebrate after trial, whatever it is, not because trials are done forever, but because the grace, God's favor and encouragement that gets us through the trial is the same one that beckons us to celebrate, that beckons us to give thanks. This is a grace that's outside of ourselves to celebrate, to receive provision in times of lack, to become a people together, a people together who worship God alone to do justice, and to experience the presence of God. We do none of that work alone, but we do it through the grace of God. We're actually going to talk about those things as we move forward in the series, each week focusing on a different theme. But today we're going to focus on celebration. The God who rescued us and freed us from slavery gives us grace, an invitation to receive all of those things that I just named and more. This is the work I believe God is going to lead our community into as we look at this biblical story of what happens at the other side of the Red Sea, what happens after it parted, as the Israelites have been rescued from slavery and await a promised land. 
There's grace on the other side for us, but we have to open up our hands. Even as one pandemic seems to end and another pandemic seems to deepen and the personal struggles of our lives, they continue all the same. This is the work before us. Will we take, will we be people who take God's invitation, even an invitation to celebrate in order to go deeper with this God who frees us? Let's just take this time just to think about who this God is. Think about your own story. Have you experienced God's rescue in your story? Have people around you experienced some kind of rescue that was from God? Can you kind of locate that so you could say there's something that is worth celebrating? And if it's hard for you to see that today, whether it's about a long story of yours or whether it's even just thinking about the last month, that's hard. I just pray there would be grace for you today, even as we continue. Uh, a few weeks ago, we showed Zoe a movie. Y'all might have seen it. The Prince of Egypt. And Zoe loved that movie. Many of the songs. It's strange when your daughter's favorite song is the one about Ra and like, the, you know, there's bad people and she's like singing like Ra, Ra. I'm like, okay, this is a little, this is a little weird, Zoe. They're like God's in the story too, you know, like there's God, right? And she's like, oh, I love Ra. I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird. But this is the story of Moses. Moses from the Bible, from the book of Exodus. And this is a great story. You know, it starts with Moses being young, a baby, and his mother saving him from genocide, sending him off on this little basket, only to be picked up by uh, Pharaoh's wife and raised in the Egyptian household, thinking that he was Egyptian, until one day he saw the cries of his people, the Hebrew people that were enslaved. And Moses said, no more. But did he rise up and like lead a revolution right then? No, not at all. He actually killed a dude and ran away. That's the story. Read it or watch it, you know, both, both and. And then 40 years later, he was in the desert and a burning bush, that's right, burning bush came and God spoke to him, spoke to him to free his people. Who are his people though? It's not the Egyptians, it's the Hebrew people. And so he came back to Pharaoh saying, let my people go over and over and over again. Let my people go. There were plagues. There were warnings. There were opportunities for Pharaoh to repent, for the Egyptian people to repent. They did not take them up on it. And so finally, the Pharaoh says, okay, these plagues are enough. I've lost too much. Our people have lost too much. You can go. And the Hebrew people, they, they leave, also known as the Israelites. They, they leave. But do you think that's the end of the story? No. Pharaoh says, well, I know I said that, but now let me chase you down, hunt you, and end your story so it doesn't have another beginning, so it doesn't continue. And so they went to the Red Sea. God parted it in a mighty work of God. Going through, going through water to the left and to the right. And then the Egyptians, though, go through and the water cascades on them, crashing on them these people that have held the Israelites captive for hundreds of years. That's exactly where we're going to start our story today. It's in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 29 and 30. You can read along with me. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant, 
This is chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. We see in this decision to sing that celebration takes courage. The first point I have for you today, celebration takes courage. Moses is celebrating God's rescue of him and his people, but we know where he is, right? He's just at the edge of the Red Sea. He's in the wilderness, all alone with his people, with no resources, with no plan. They left their homes in Egypt. They left the provision they actually did have, even though they were enslaved. It's just God and them now. But Moses is celebrating because what he's been through is no longer where he is. And he's not letting the vulnerabilities of his future keep him from celebrating in the present. He could have focused on the problems. He could have focused on who he is as a leader, what he would do. But instead he's saying, let's take time to celebrate right now. Right now, in this moment. How many times have we here today not celebrated because we think that we're still in the broken situation that God's actually rescued us from? Did y'all catch that? Like you haven't celebrated because you think the broken situation is still ongoing when God's actually delivered you, rescued you, put you in a different situation. We have a new job, but we keep dwelling about the pain of an old one. We felt isolated in the previous city we lived in and we complain about that with, guess who? Our new community in New Haven. There's something about pain that allows us to live in it, to stay in it, to dwell in it. And I didn't even give like a relationships example. That's just for y'all. That's, that's grace too. There's something about saying there's grace for us here and being courageous, not even looking at what could happen. Moses is doing that exactly. He's courageously celebrating what the Lord has done, even in the wilderness. He's also not letting the vulnerability of the situation keep him from celebrating. How many of us would have celebrated that one time, but then we wondered, well, my kid has a good school now, but what about middle school? What about high school? What about college? What about their future? My marriage had a breakthrough this past week, but what about when my spouse gets busy again? I see the conference schedule. It's coming back after COVID. My friend showed up for me, but one's leaving New Haven this spring. And I'm wondering, will I have my tight-knit community still? It's so easy for us to cancel out celebration because of worry. Moses is in the wilderness without any plan for how he's going to lead these people, any plan for how he's going to feed these people, not even knowing, did the Egyptians have boats, right? Couldn't they just take a boat over? I mean, the ones that were left, if there were some left. But he still celebrates courageously. Do y'all have the courage to celebrate even in the wilderness, freshly rescued, with real and imagined threats on every side, when the Lord frees you, will you still dare to celebrate? Think again back to that story that maybe you thought of when I asked, where has the Lord rescued you? Maybe other people. Where has that place been? For some of you, you might need to remember what historically you've celebrated. Maybe what you celebrated 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Real things in your lives that you held on to but maybe you don't anymore. Why? What happened? For others, you might remember something here 
that God actually wants you to celebrate. Something might have happened a long time ago, but he wants you to celebrate it for the first time. Remember, celebration takes courage. Lean into it here, even with your own story. This celebration for Moses is bold because he sings in the wilderness, a wilderness that he's only in because of the evil that has been up against him, the evil that's been up against his own community, the community of the Israelites. Crucially, he also sings to God's praise. He sings about God's victory against these oppressive enemies. This leads to our second point that celebration stands against evil. A part of this celebration song can be shocking to us because of the language, but it involves we look at this clearly unoppressed people and their cry, rejoicing in God, finally protecting them, finally setting them free as the Egyptians were given chance time after time after time to repent. And after they'd been in slavery for hundreds of years, celebration is not just saying that something is good, but we can also call something evil and turn from it or center how God has rescued us, how God has destroyed that evil or injustice around us. Moses sings this. This is in verse 7, chapter 15. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppressed you, those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you, you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? The song of Moses continues here. This is a celebration of God's miraculous work over the threats of an oppressive force, evil animated by a, a hungry, a power-hungry ruling class that always wanted some people to be beneath to be under, to be enslaved, to be controlled. Moses celebrates God's activity here against his people's own threats, the threats they had for their safety, right? Moses did not kill here, but he let the Lord have the waves crash where no Egyptians were supposed to go. The water swallowing their pride, swallowing their rebellion, and yes, even swallowing their bodies. We don't celebrate people surviving injustice to minimize the injustice itself, right? We don't celebrate people surviving against 16 shots to minimize the injustice of any one of those shots that should not have been fired in the first place. Celebrating doesn't minimize a neighborhood that's surveilled and policed aggressively by three different police departments, New Hallville, in New Haven and parts of Hamden. Instead, celebration of God's victory of life is a way to denounce the systems and structures that allow death to extinguish life for so many so swiftly. Celebration frames God as the bringer of justice in a story that's still unfolding, and it allows us to anticipate God's further acts of justice with wonder, with expectation, and yes, even with sobriety, knowing that we all fall short. Personally, yes, and also in our own participation with these dark powers. It's one thing to clap for God, to say, yes, God, go get it, and then you see God coming for you. We need mercy here. There's a reason why the Egyptians had chance after chance after chance. 
We too have chance, but there is something called God's justice, and we can celebrate that. In fear and trembling, wonder and expectation, trusting in the mercy of God, but we have to trust with God, not just in ourselves. So where is God calling you to celebrate against the work of evil? Maybe even in the face of evil, perhaps especially in the ways that you feel powerless. It's easy to celebrate when we feel like we have something over something else, when we have some power in the situation. But what, when, what happens when we're just standing there, powerless, against a force, against a person, against an organization, a corporation, and all we have is just our celebration of who God is, that God's different than so many other evil things, than so many evil forces. Is celebration even a, a weapon that we have? I think it is. We can rejoice with our God of justice, and God encourages us to celebrate when he thwarts injustice in any case, injustice that would steal, kill, and destroy. Celebration stands against evil. Our third point, I feel like, is an amazing one that comes from the creativity of God, and it's this. Celebration anticipates more reasons to celebrate. Celebration like the best parties, anticipate even more reasons to celebrate. This is like when you're at a great birthday party and someone's like, well, it's my birthday next week. And you're like, wait, okay, let's sing happy birthday to you. Well, it's my, oh, you're in your anniversary. It's looking for more and more reasons to celebrate. When Moses celebrates, you don't have a sense that he's doing like one big celebration that's never gonna happen again. And there's a scarcity mindset he's gonna fall into. No, he's celebrating something that God will continue to do. He will continue to free his people, continue to rescue them, continue to love them well. Celebrations need not be one-off events. I keep talking about Eastertide because I'm just falling in love with the church calendar. Sorry, uh, it's happening. Hopefully you don't mind. Um, but it's 50 days, 50 days to celebrate. Like, so we've got some, some people clapping. Okay, yes, we got it, right? Easter is one day. Someone's like, yes, I get to dress up for Easter. You get to dress up for 50 more days if you want, right? You get to say he's risen. Hey, you guys actually did that pretty good. I was surprised. Daniqua, they did a good job. Yes. Like, you get to celebrate 50 more times. Like, remember Christmas? Right? There's 12 days of Christmas later. And this is just the liturgical calendar. This isn't even the grace of God. God's like, you think 50 is like big? It's like the rest of time. Come on, guys. This is what we're tapping into. A celebration that keeps going. That's extended. That's forever. And we need to live in that generosity. Whoever's birthday it is next, please use this sermon and be like, Josh said it's my birthday, but there's like way more many days of my birthday. It's kind of true, right? Someone use that and use that wisely and well. This is important for us because sometimes we just have that one day and we go back into a scarcity mindset. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, even for me, that Friday, April 16th. Hey, this is one day to remember the special thing of a miracle in New Haven. No, I need that every day that knowledge that there are miracles still, and a miracle happened here on that day. It's not just a once a year thing. I tap into that anytime I need that, anytime I need celebration in the face of death. This is why a celebration is so important for us as the people of God. It's different than just any old party. You know, you've been to parties where the focus is inward, right? On how awesome the party is, on the exclusive guest list, on the best food and wine. But it's just that night. It's just that event. Celebration with God is tethered to God's coming kingdom. And the best celebrations exist apart from just the present time. They take into account what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. 
ultimately they usher in this reality, this coming reality, that there's going to be a world with no more pain, with no more suffering, and no more tears, a place where evil is finally defeated, in this place we're held by God and we're held by one another. Life is abundant and death is no more. That means when we see 16 bullets that don't kill two of God's beloved creations, we can celebrate how that story is tied up with life and life abundant. Not just life saved one day, but the life God wants for us into eternity. That's actually what this Sunday gathering is, what this time of worship is every Sunday. It's a time where we're celebrating what God's done in history, in our world, in your life from the past seven days, but also previously, and what God will do for you, what God will do for this city, what God will do for us. That's part of the reason why we're outside, to see and to be seen, and a place where people can join us, and we can further join one another. God's coming kingdom is here, and it still is moving forward, still collecting people, collecting stories, collecting life and life abundant along the way. And like Moses, we sing here. We sing together. And let's lean into Moses' last line of his songs. You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, he is exalted. Both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. When we celebrate it turns out that other people celebrate too. We see that celebration takes courage. It stands against evil. It anticipates more reasons to celebrate. And finally, we see here that it's communal. When we celebrate, even we feel like we're courageously standing alone, I don't think that happens for too long. Miriam sees Moses' worship and she joins in. She gets a timbrel. She says, hey, I got some worship too. I heard that little loop. I heard the chorus. Let's go. Let's sing some more. Exactly. Miriam's like, let's turn up. Let's go. Miriam sees Moses' worship and she joins in. She says, Moses, you're not the one that's going to have just the fun here. Let's get the women on this. We're going to sing better than you. You know, Moses, you, you, weren't, you weren't around when we were younger. We know, we know how to do this. Sometimes someone's celebration inspires us to celebrate ourselves. Sometimes we see that even in musical worship. Someone worships a certain way and we get encouraged. We get emboldened. We say yes. And we worship too. Sometimes celebration fills our own void. We come in here empty, even on Sunday gathering, maybe even today. But then we see something, we hear something, we take part in something, we participate in the activity of God that's not just in our lives, but also is in the lives of our neighbors and our friends. And we get caught up in worship, caught up in God's goodness. That's part of why, you know, God bless the way that we do worship when we're struggling with pandemic. God stress the face, you know, God bless the, the Facebook Live and the live stream. But there's something about being here together. We're, we're not just in our own room where we're seeing other people that we might really need to worship, to be encouraged, to go after God in a new way. Celebration is communal. 
There's grace on the other side of a trial to celebrate, even when we have some scars to show for our trouble. I'm not saying it's easy, but we need to keep celebrating together. Even when we're, when there's an oppressor around, even when we still need the rescue of God. And I hope that our community here can be a community that celebrates together. I want to end by just inviting us into some few specific invitations. So the first one, I want us to see Sundays here as a celebration. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean you like need to show up like happy, being like, okay, does Josh like need me to have a mask with a smiley face on it? That's kind of weird, but I guess maybe I'll do it. No, just show up with an expectation that God's going to invite our community into celebration. And then show up authentically however you need to be knowing that. Sunday gatherings are a place where we celebrate, whether it's sunny and you're right here on the green, or whether, yes, it is rainy, and maybe you're inside and it's a little bit of a smaller crowd, or you're on the live stream with us. Choose to see the next several Sundays as a time to celebrate, just to see how does that feel to you, to say yes to celebration every week with our community. Two, I want you to review your story. Actually, take a look at your story. You can see chunks of it, right? Okay, my childhood, when I'm in high school, you know, my first job. See whatever it is. Take some time to actually think about your story and then do that exercise of thinking about what is worth celebrating in it. And then do that same exercise, but instead of having your whole life be on the table, just the past eight weeks. I think it's a real challenge, not just to depend on an old story, but also never to forget that old story. But then to look at the present that like can last eight weeks to see what's the current work of God in your life. And if you don't see it, to then say, God, I want a story. I want to celebrate. Help me. Find reasons to celebrate in both time frames and actually consider what a real celebration would look like. Some of the best stories I've heard from some ECVers are people saying, hey, something happened to me. And it was on this day of the month. And now I'm going to have a celebration every time this month comes up. It's the 14th, right? I'm going to celebrate by taking some time off by going away to be with God. Do those things. Create your own rituals. Create your own rhythms. Get yourself something sometimes, right? Treat yourself, but to the larger story of God, into the glory of God, right? Self-care unto the glory of God. You can tweet that. That's the only thing you can tweet from me, but that, that, one, that one I'd be fine with. Lastly, find a way to celebrate against evil. These are dark times. They've always been dark times. It's just that we discover it more, sometimes more than others. Find a way to celebrate against evil. Now, April 16th has come and gone, that day that means a lot to me and I hope will increasingly mean a lot to you. But Daniqua and I are planning a celebration in this season, in this season where we can mark that April 16th miracle from 2019, but also we have a lot more unfortunate days to mark from now until the end of May. Losses that we either learned about for the first time last year or losses that actually happened last year, like the murder of George Floyd. We are going to have a time of celebration. You know, we have this event, Joy, that people love. And we're going to press that event right into the pain of some of what we lost last year, some of who we lost last year. Not because we think that we should celebrate to forget it, but actually because we think celebration is the proper way of remembering it because we want to tie the stories of death to an overwhelming story of life. We want to tie the stories of pain into an overwhelming story of abundant life, of joy, of something that lasts eternal because if we don't do that, it seems like it might just be up to us and up to us doesn't seem like it's going that well at all. We want to be tethered to a story that no matter what happens in the next year, the next 10 years, the next 50 years, the next 100 years is tied to God's love is tied to hope eternal, is tied to life and life abundance. 
when we give up our own sense that we have to be the savior, that we have to be the rescuer, that somehow our words will matter, we can be silent and be in awe of a God who rescued his own people. Do we have questions about the hundreds of years it took? I do. But guess what? I'm still in awe of God and what he did for his people. I'm still in awe of God and what he did for me. And I hope you can be in a place where you can be in awe of God for what he's done for you, for what he's doing for you, and what he will do for you. And if you're not, that's completely okay. But take an invitation to become curious about this God of ours that is a rescuer, that is a redeemer. If he rescued them in Egypt, he can rescue you, and he will. But you have to trust, and you have to commit, and you have to be okay and even desirous to be anchored to this bigger story, this grander story, that at the end of the day, that's sometimes the consolation. Today was horrible. It completely sucked. But I'm anchored to a bigger story that's not of my own making. Celebrate against evil. Look out for more details on how we're going to do that. Get curious about what you want to do to be part of that. Sometimes at staff, we plan events. But we want you sometimes to be there, right? We hope that. But also, we want your ideas of what God's doing in you. How do you want to celebrate? How do you want to memorialize? How have you already planned to do that? Those are the invitations for us today. Going to invite us to a time of communion. This is another way weekly that we celebrate. And we celebrate, again, right, that pain, that death, but also the life that's attached to it. If you need a communion set, a cup, uh, bread, just raise your hand. One of the staff will give it to you. Don't be shy. You can actually raise your hand. We got one in the back right there. We got two in the front over here. Uh, we got two over here. Just keep your hands up and the communion will come to you. Communion is a celebration. It's a celebration of this meal of life that passed through the story of death. And it didn't pass through the story of death just to die and crumble over, but to actually meet life and have life overcome. In communion, we celebrate what God does, what Jesus did, when he for us, for our own sake, broke his own body on the cross. You can take the bread right now. You can slip your mask off and eat it. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Now you can take the cup. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. Drink from it. This is a communion meal, a celebration of the story of God that is indeed our story too. We take it because we follow Jesus or we take it because we want to become followers of Jesus even for the first time. And if that's you, if you want to anchor your story to celebration, I'd love to pray with you today. I'd love for you to say, yes, that is me. I, I do want to anchor my story to celebration. I, I do want to be tied, no matter what my circumstances is, to what God is doing. So I invite you uh, to come either to me or during our, our time of prayer ministry and say, yes, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my growing community here. Let me pray for us as we transition into worship. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, I sense that you want to do some work today of exchanging, exchanging your celebration that exists in heaven that's actually for us right now with some despair that's in this place, 
some hopelessness that's in this place, some sense that my story is already decided, Josh, and you don't know how bad it is. I just get the sense that the Lord wants to do a heavenly exchange where that celebration of the kingdom comes down right now. Lord, would you make that exchange? Thank you for the grace that allows it to be so. Would you invite this time of worship, God, with your spirit to be a time where that exchange happens more and more when we pray, God, and seek you. Lord, would you be present here today, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.